Well, amen, amen, and good morning and welcome to New Hanover United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Ricky Ayala, and I welcome all of you. If you open up your programs, you will notice in the right-hand side, I'm filling the blanks. You can uh, uh, fill them in as the answers to those uh, fill-ins will be up on the screen here today. Now, we are in our fourth week of our sermon series that is titled, When Life Is, God is Good. And so what takes place is uh, uh, three weeks ago, Pastor uh, Todd began a series by saying, you know, when uh, life is unfair, God is good. And then uh, I came in, and the second week, it was when God is, uh, when life is scary, God is good. Pastor Gil men, uh, mentioned the, the sermon last week, when life is sad, God is good. Now, by the show of hands, how many of you have dealt with changes in your life? All right, all right, thank you. Now, for some of you, may, uh, the change may be a new home. The change may be a new job. The change may be graduating from high school or achieving a GED and preparing for college, university, or trade school. The changes that may happen in your health. The change that will happen in your finances. The changes in family as you celebrate the birth of a child or mourning the loss of a loved one. Changes. Changes in your relationship status. Without, you know, most recent maybe a separation or maybe divorce. But then on the flip side also probably a change of newly getting engaged or gotten married or preparing to get married. The list can go on and on. But we know one thing's for certain, and that's, is that change is inevitable. So today, the theme of it, you probably guessed it, it's about change. So when life changes, God is good. Now today, we're going to hear an account of how some individuals' lives were changed as soon as Jesus came and made an invitation to follow him. So if you'll be so kind and reverence to God's word, I'm going to ask you to please stand. We're going to be reading from the gospel book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. Now, I'll be reading from the NLT version, which is a New Living Translation. The words will be up on the screen. But if you have your own Bible, maybe the translation is a little different. I pray that you follow along. Or you can also follow us on the YouVersion app. The Bible says this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water so before they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing the nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. 
Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from east of the Jordan River. This is the reading of God's word. Praise be to God. Let me pause for a word of prayer. God, we are attentive to your word. Let our ears be prepared and our hearts be prepared, our minds be prepared to receive of the movement of the Holy Spirit and through your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So throughout today's sermon, I'm going to ask for your participation. So just look out for it. When I say change, you say change, right? Say change. Change. All right. Now that you're already warmed up to it, just look out for it now, all right? Now, I've mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, that change is inevitable. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. That's good. That's good. That's good. I'll I'll let you know when to say it. All right. Amen. (laughs) So change, I mentioned, is inevitable. Change will be experienced physically. Change can happen psychologically. Change can happen and or spiritually. Change can sometimes be easy. And at other times, I'm pretty sure because you've raised your hand, you know that sometimes change can be difficult. When working on your spiritual life, one thing is certain, and it's the first point today I want to share with you, expect changes when following Jesus. Expect changes when following Jesus. In the story of the book of Matthew, chapter 4, the Bible is saying, you know, this was going to be a completely new way of life for those individuals that became disciples. At that very moment when they answered Jesus' invitation to follow him, their life of, quote-unquote, fishermen would take on a new meaning. They're no longer just going to be men going out to fish, you know, to fish, but that Jesus provided an invitation to be fishers of men. Uh, some of your translations say that. And our translation of the NLT says fishers of people. It's not about those individuals themselves, but how we're able to continue and Jesus preparing others to share the gospel and the good news of the kingdom. Change no longer, again, to fish, but become fishers of men. They left the security of their lifestyle, of what they were accustomed to, to a life of uncertainty, but also a life of adventure. Now, one of the things the Bible doesn't clearly show what their emotions were, whether joy or fear, but the Bible does show how they reacted to the invitation where they left things behind to follow Jesus. You probably know that the scholars mentioned that at that time there was uh, young men who were inspired to be led under the uh, tutelage of, of, uh, of a teacher and, and a rabbi. So when Jesus comes around and says, follow me, they took every moment, whatever they had, to put it aside to come under the wing of this man, Jesus. So what happens sometimes we make, why I, I say about emotions Because sometimes we make decisions based on our emotions. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, so 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 you already know exactly what you're doing, and you know. No, sometimes we make decisions based on our emotions. But what happens when after we make those decisions based on our emotions and our emotions dissipate? What happens to our commitment? In the 19 years of ministry, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of doing premarital counseling to prepare the people to go as they, you know, come together as one. 
knowing and I let them know that your wedding day, that's just a day, even an hour, but a marriage is a lifetime. So out of all the years that I've done in ministry and all the years I've done premarital counseling, there's been one family, one couple that I did not officiate. And it was because in the midst of the classes and the sessions, the questions came about, talking about commitment and things like that, and the gentleman said, you know what, if it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. So from the get-go, ladies and gentlemen, before the I do's, this gentleman already said if it doesn't work out, he's already thinking about divorce. And we all know when we're talking about marriage, it is not going to be easy all the time. It's great when the honeymoon moments are taking place, but what happens after and all the emotions have dissipated, how about the commitments? Knowing that in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations, in the midst of conflicts, how are we staying together? How, when those emotions are no longer there, and then we just say, we, let's go back to where we were. I can only imagine how, some, if it's possible, that the fishermen, I don't think so, but you know, it's, someone has mentioned, it's possible that the fisherman says, hey, we'll follow him. If it doesn't work out, at least we know how to be fishermen. But no, they took that leap of faith, saying they're committed. I want to share with you, don't, don't, let's describe a little bit what fishermen are like. True fishermen know about hard work. True fishermen know about commitment. You see, when there are true fishermen, and I've been around, around I'm not one of the true, I'm not a fisherman, I just, but here, I've been on, I've gone over in trips, and I've gone under their, you know, uh, whatever they're going to teach me, I'll do that. But some of those fishermen, they know the spot to go to. They know what time of day the, the, the fish are biting. They know sometimes even what type of bait to be able to use. Let me tell you something. One time I'm thinking, okay, I got this bait going on. I'm, I'm not getting anything. He says, you know what, change your bait. Just put some corn. I'm thinking, come on, that's so silly. God on his truth, I go and get a fish with corn. Now, don't ask me what kind of fish it was. Like I said, I'm not a fisherman. But the corn. So the true fishermen know also about patience. Now, if you have gone out with your siblings or if you've gone out with your spouse especially, if you're still together after going fishing, God bless you. <laughs> true fishermen know about patience. True fishermen learn not to give up especially when, you've probably seen videos, when the one that got away. I've seen videos, I mean, there's individuals, male, female, don't matter, they're just going at it and reeling in, and all of a sudden the, the, the line snaps, or the large fish, whatever it is, they, it just gets away. Oh, the heartbreak, oh, my, all, that, all that energy. But they don't give up. They go out and get a stronger line or a better rod or location, whatever it is, they don't give up. That's what fishermen were all about. And I can imagine, think about the story here up at the shore when, when John and James were with her father. And, and what were they doing? They were repairing the nets. So maybe the hole was too big that the fish were just going through. And I said, no, no, we got to be able to repair this. So what that shows is that fishermen need to know and remain in the changing status, the change of, of weather, the change of higher men and women, the change when their equipment fails. 
So Jesus already knew all these circumstances or the characteristics of these fishermen and invited them to join him. Say change. All right, but in reality, there are people who are afraid of change. Usually when there is a new thing happening, not everyone jumps for joy because when they hear the word new, they automatically put in their minds that they will, it will create some type of change. Change that may affect the way they have always done things. You know, people that you hear or maybe you're saying, you, you say without even thinking about it, the ones that say, we've not, never done it like that before. Or when you hear something new, oh, people are not going to go to this or go to that. Or how about the saying that says, if it ain't broke, don't. Therefore, don't fix it. But here's the problem that sometimes the concern with that statement itself is that the statement it leads to some people feeling that they don't they they're afraid to change and they don't want to change. In our denomination of the United Methodist Church, uh, there are stories every year an annual conference. There are stories of of uh, they're talking about churches that are that were once vibrant. And then they pass these resolutions to either discontinue the church, close them, merge, whatever it is. And I'm thinking, how could it be that in the description of the church, they're talking about this vibrant, the days of, of, of glory, the days that things are happening. What, what happened? Because it doesn't matter if it's a United Methodist church. I think that any church that closes down that's giving honor and glory to God, it, it should satin people. And so what happens is one of the root causes of closing down is afraid of change. Changes in how we do as a church, New Hanover United Methodist, and how we do programs and ministries may differ from what it was several years ago. The same way that we do outreach programs and missions programs may look a little different than what they were years ago. How about the times when I was growing up, we used to just hold hymnals and just sing out of the hymnals. There was no technology. So when the churches started saying, let's put a projection screen up, oh, that's something new, there's a change. No, no change. Let's just keep on doing what we're doing. Continue to bring people in our church and allow for them to do what we do and how we do it without any type of change. Could that be part of the root cause for those closures? about the times when we have been to churches like this, that they don't have any instruments, no amplification, no instruments, but what they did was just use their voices. And they still worshiped. Let me ask your participation, if you may, and sing it out if you can. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now was, but now, amen, amen, thank you. You see, there was no instruments there. You came together with voices and still worshiped God. You remember those moments? You ever been to the churches like that? They still worshiped. 
didn't matter about technology. It didn't matter if they didn't have any instruments or not. They came together because they wanted to worship the one, the only Jesus Christ. About the times when we hold, there's uh, churches that hold Bibles and preach from the Word, but there are others who use devices. Oh, no, you know, we have to, everybody has to use a Bible. But what happens, you know, when, when someone opens up their device and they're reading the Scriptures out of it? It's a change. It's different. We have to also change the way that we provide the Word. But one thing, ladies and gentlemen, we, I want to make sure that we don't change is the way that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. When Jesus wanted to show those disciples that he was calling them is that he wanted to show the good news of the kingdom of God. So that one thing will not change at New Hanover when it comes into sharing who Jesus was, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus has the resurrection and the life, that he was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that Jesus will continue to be preached. Amen? Amen. But the way that we provide it and the way that we reach out may be different. There were times in churches that we didn't have any type of equipment, but it came time that it, it, uh, they either recorded worship services and or sermons, and they recorded them on cassette tapes. You remember what they were? And then it went, you know, as technology kept on going, you know, CDs or, or, or VHS or use the VCRs. And if I tell my kids, what's it, you know, hey, get the VCR, what's that, you know, or the change. But the message should remain the same. And here in our church, there were times that if you missed worship service, unless somebody told you everything that happened in worship service back then, you missed it altogether. So you wanted to go back the next week so you won't miss the experience. And nowadays with technology, we as a church, we're looking into going live streaming. That it goes beyond our walls and reaches out to other people that can't get here physically. Whether they're on vacation, they can go and check us out. Whether they're not feeling well, to our homebound members, or anyone else that we want to feel comfortable sharing because letting people know this is what's happening at New Hanover. Opportunities, this is something new, it's something changed, but how we're able to continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. The second point I want to share with you is that when changes come, we need to respond in faith. That's how these individuals responded. They responded in faith. They left everything that they were so accustomed to, and the Bible is saying immediately, they left everything what they had to follow Jesus. Change comes, but what is so important is how we respond. It begins by obeying and embracing the changes God is making. And let me tell you, it's not always easy. It's actually hard at times. When we were preparing for the message this week, and Pastor Gill was preaching last night, and we were going over the notes, and he mentioned, he wrote down a few things of, of just this, that it is hard. And I'm going to share a few words that he had written down. This again, this is, keep in mind, this is Pastor Gill. In my case, coming here to this church will not have been my first choice. You see, because he had other options and other offers to go and lead other churches in the area. But he says, but I knew it was what God wanted me to do, so I obeyed. When my son, Jonathan, he was saying, 
tells me that he is moving to a third world country. And I asked him why. His words were, I do not have a choice. It is what God wants me to do. When the doctor said it was cancer in my daughter's leg, this was a huge change. But I knew deep down inside that God is good and that no matter how things go, from this point on, we would lean into him. The words of Pastor Gill. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when changes come, we need to respond in faith that God is good. Even when we don't fully understand the answers or what's going on. Responding to changes may not take place in the same way that Peter and Andrew and John and James responded here in the Scripture. Some will leave everything right away to follow Jesus. But most will probably say that they will take their time to make sure that everything is in place before they make a final decision. It took several years for me to respond, as many of you know. Remembering that pastor was not in the top, in the middle, or the ending of my to-do things in life. But God had other plans. You already know the story of how I went from full-time military to full-time ministry. And the night in which I had to make a decision if I was going to leave the military, going to full-time ministry, my goodness, it was a change. You see, I was a helicopter mechanic, and I flew around on a regular basis. I love aviation and all the benefits that came along with it, and I had to make a decision to leave it in order to go into full-time ministry. But I took that leap of faith, not just one foot, it was all in. In the midst of being all in, I said, God, I'll do this, but there's no way I can do this alone. I need you. Because of that decision, ladies and gentlemen, I've had, I didn't stay in, in the military, but if I would have stayed, I would not have experienced the five years in Columbia, Pennsylvania, to get to know and love the people there at a church in, our, in that community. And afterwards, another change that took place in Conshohocken, I was there for 11 years, getting to know the church uh, family and the community. And then another change in 2017 when I came here, and it's been two years, and getting to the love and this church and this community. That All that would not have happened. Because when I took that leap of faith, I went into a life of what I, let, I knew. And it was a life of uncertainty, but adventure. And I got to tell you what a journey it has been. Say change. Last point here is a change can help us see Jesus at work. After leaving what they were used to, they went and they started witnessing what Jesus was doing with the people. And what was he doing? He was healing those who were sick, those who had diseases, those who were demon-possessed. The Bible says those who were epileptic or paralyzed, Jesus healed them all. Those individuals were able to witness everything, things that they would have experienced if they were just fishing. Change can help us see Jesus at work. When you look at the lives of these disciples and how God used them, it's truly amazing. In the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13, the Bible says, the members of this council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men 
with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? There's two key points about this message. First, they were ordinary men and unschooled. And second, they had been with Jesus. The more we are with Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, the more evident our lives are to others that spend time with God's goodness. God's word is full of goodness. Time after time, I've seen people surrender to God's goodness and in doing so have been blessed by God and also in turn blessing to others. In spite of all of life's changes, God is good. That is the story of faith. We believe that in spite of uh, difficult times and circumstances, God is good and he remains faithful. You see, when our lives change and things are always changing in our lives, one thing remains consistent and constant is God does not change. If I didn't take that leap of faith from military to full-time ministry, I would have ended up just continuing to do what I got to do without experiencing getting to know other people for the glory of God. The disciples experienced Jesus at work, at work, which they would not have done so if they just remained in the boat. Jesus can do great things through us and in us and for us and allow us to get a better vision of who Jesus really is. Do we know who Jesus is? Have we answered to his call? He's not saying that everybody has to leave what they're doing in order to be in pastoral ministry, but everyone has an opportunity to do ministry for his glory, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with others, evangelizing by sharing and testifying with others, and sharing how God has been good to you. But also not just the good and seeing, letting them know in the midst of difficulties where God has led you through, in the midst of changes, God is still good. God doesn't change even when our circumstances do. Remember, when life changes, God is good. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty and God, we are thankful that in the midst of hearing your message of how you, Jesus called out to those four individuals, of Peter and Andrew and John and James, and continues to call us day by day. Sometimes we take a little longer to respond the response to be kind, the response to serve, the response to give, the response to just even listen. God, we are in the working progress, and we're so thankful that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. Help us to fully understand that even in the midst of changes, that you are good. Let us trust in you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as hearing this message and as a response to it, I do encourage you, the next step is to ask God for wisdom, to know how to respond to the changes in life. And not only that, then share with someone you know, with a friend, how you feel the Lord is leading. And as Pastor Rob mentioned earlier today, uh, pray for the leaders and volunteers and children attending VBS this week. Come back next Sunday to see how God changed their lives. And as you head out today, you'll have some of the youth that's going to be handing out some of these little cards, praying for volunteers or students. And in the back, there's a name of an individual. So I encourage you not only just to take one, but take two or three or more. 
to let them know that you are praying for them. Prayer does wonderful things. And also, if you're in need of prayer, if you want to give your life to Christ, our lay pastors and Stephen ministers are up, will be up on the front after the worship service to pray with you and for you. And as you head out today, may God's peace and the guidance of the precious Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in the midst of whatever changes are going to take place today and tomorrow and throughout the week. In the midst of all that, having the courage and the certainty of saying that God is good. And God's people will all say, amen, amen. Please stand for the closing song.